All right, if you have your Bibles this morning, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter number 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, we're going to look at verse 13 here in a minute. I want to talk this morning a little bit about standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises of God. Standing on his promises. You know, there's a saying that I heard one time. It says this, uh, that promises are a lot like pie crusts. Lightly made and easily broken. And they really are promises between people. We disappoint each other all the time. Most of the time, I would like to think, not intentionally, we're human beings and we disappoint each other. We make promises that we can't keep. We intend to keep, but we just can't because we're human. There's only so much time in a day. When we made the promise, we wanted to keep the promise, but... Because of circumstances, sometimes out of our control, or a decision we have to make, am I going to do this or am I going to do that, what's more important, we may have to break the promise. And so we disappoint each other all the time. Well, how many know this morning that God is a promise maker and he is also a promise keeper? There is nothing that can make him break any of his promises. He is a promise maker, and he's made promises to you and I, promises that will not be broken. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. I had verse 12, but I believe it's verse 13 says this. There's one word in here I want us to glean out of this scripture. says this. says, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave. Be strong. Let all that you do be done with love. The Bible says, watch, stand fast. Another scripture says, in doing all that you know to do and to stand, guess what? Stand. Stand. Don't shrink back. Don't let someone else persuade you that maybe this isn't, God doesn't really want to stand in doing all that you can do to stand. Stand. It takes us saying yes to God's promise. Promises are great. Now, in the spirit of being interactive, uh, put up that next slide, Lauren. There's something I want us to say together this morning. I want us to make this declaration. A promise is a declaration assuring that one will or will not do something. It's a vow. And I like this part of it. The declaration is coming up. But I like this part of this, what a promise is. To give good grounds for expecting. In other words, when a promise is made, a promise comes with expectation. If a promise doesn't come with expectation, well, then it's really not a promise. How can a promise be a promise with no expectation? It wouldn't be a promise. You might just say, well, I'm not going to promise. I might do it. I might not. Then I have no expectation. But if there is a, if you say, I promise, ask your children. (laughs) You say, I promise, there is absolutely an expectation of something to come. 
that you will do or will not do whatever it is that you said you will do or not do. A promise comes with expectation. We need to believe this morning in God's promises. He is the promiser and he makes promises. And this morning, we need to come to a place where we settle it in our heart that God's promises are true. And he will absolutely do what he said he will do. That not one word that he speaks will return to him void. Now we can say it with our mouth. We can think it with our mind. But where we need to get to this morning is we need to settle it in our heart. So that we cannot be persuaded by anything else other than God's word. God's word is true. Come on, how many are persuaded this morning that God's word is true? Let's say this declaration together. Give us this next slide. I want to say this together. The promise declaration. Come on, say it with me. One, two, three. I choose today to believe and stand upon all the promises of God for my life. God has spoken his divine promises with simplicity and clarity so that I may be strong in faith and endurance. That sounds so good. Sounds like you almost believe that. All right. So let's do that one more time. And this time, let's say it like we believe it. Come on. One, two, three. I choose So that I may be strong in faith and endurance. Hallelujah. I believe that is an absolutely true declaration for all of us. I believe that God has spoken his divine promises. And not only has he spoken them, he's spoken his promises in a way that we can understand. It's not a mystery what God promises us. The only mystery is, will you read the promise? That's the only mystery. There is no mystery. It's sim simple, and he's spoken it with clarity. And the purpose is so that you and I can be strong in faith. And we can endure till the end. We can persevere. Why? Because we have the promises of God. First, 2 Corinthians 1.20 says this, Whatever God has promised... Get stamped with the yes of Jesus. In him, this is what we preach and pray. The great amen. God's yes and our yes together, gloriously evident. How many know that God has promised and he has said yes and amen? But guess what? There's a part we play. We have to join together with him and say, I, I see your yes and I raise your yes with my yes. Are you in this morning? Come on, that's the word this morning. Are you in? God wants to know, are you in? Right? Everything may not be the way you think it should be. But he's saying to you this morning, if you will be in with me, wait till you see the result that we're going to get to. Because you can't see it all. First Peter, 2 Peter 1.4 says this, By which we have been, have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises 
that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. You can partake in his nature. You have his DNA, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. We escaped all of that through his promises. Through his promises. Now, our part in this is to stand on the promises that he's given us. Promise, a declaration, assuring that one will or will not do something. It's a vow. It's what God has given to us. Before we talk a little bit about his promises, let's talk very briefly about the promiser. Because he is the great promiser. What is the promiser? The promiser is one who pledges to another to do or not to do something specified, something specific. He doesn't say, I love you in general. Oh, I love all of you guys in general. No, he says, I love you with the phileo love that I have shown on the cross and I continue to show time and time again. He proves his love over and over to us. Specific. A declaration which gives the person to whom it is made a right, here we go, to expect or claim the forbearance or performance of a specified promise. In other words, because you have promised it, I have every right in the world to expect that you will do what you say you're going to do. I have every right to expect because you have said it and you have promised it. Jeremiah 33, 14, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will perform that good thing which I have promised to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. God said that. He is the great promiser. The promiser is God. God's promises are concrete and unmistakable. His divine promises cannot fail, saints. They can't fail. It's impossible for his promises to fail. We need to have that settled in our heart. Nothing can stand in the way of the fulfillment of any promise he has made. He's omnipotent. He can never on any ground of incapacity break down on any promise. Here's the thing. Here's the thing about God. And here's the thing about promises. Just thinking about this. We need to stop believing in promises that people have made and believe in people that made the promise. Did you get that? It's not so much that we need to believe in the promises that people made, but we need to believe in the person that made the promise. And I'll tell you why, because if you cannot believe in the person that made the promise, it doesn't matter what they promise or what they say. If you can't believe in them, they could say something that could seem absolutely true and believable and easy to do. But because you don't believe in them, you doubt. Conversely, there could be someone that you know has good character and integrity. And they may say something that seems impossible, but because of who they are, you tend to believe it. I was watching, I'm a big movie buff. So, of course, I was watching a movie the other night. Uh, and this movie has John Travolta and, and Forrest Whitaker in it. And uh, this, this movie, I, there, I, I thought about something as I was watching a part of this movie. 
this guy, George O'Malley, in this movie, everybody loves him in the town. And what happens is they have a birthday party for him every year. Now, the birthday party is at a local establishment. And so they're in there having this birthday party, and it gets to be about midnight, and the party starts breaking up a little bit, but people are still hanging around. And one of his friends leaves the party and goes and gets in his car, and he, he wanted to say goodbye to him. So he runs outside and says, hey, hey, Tito, I just wanted to tell you thank you for coming to my party. Uh, have a good night. Drive safe. You know, whatever. So he's out there in the street. Tito drives off. And no one is around. He's going to go back in. But before he does, he looks up in the sky and he sees this bright light. Anybody ever seen this movie? Some of you? Sees this bright light and the light comes at him, right? And it, gets, it comes at him so close and it gets to him and it, it's so bright that it knocks him down. And he lays there in the street for a few minutes and then he gets up and he's like, what happened? And he runs into the establishment and did anybody see that light? And hey, what light? You know, George, we think you had too many, too, one too many to drink. You know, it's, no, I heard it. Did anybody hear the noise? No. So he goes on about his business and some things happen to him and strange things begin to happen. And there is a, a, a young lady in the movie who he uh, likes, who he's kind of after. And there's a scene, and I said all that to say this, there's a scene in the movie where uh, he, she, she's talking to him and she says some things about him and she mentions how everybody in the town likes him. All right, and then uh, he, you know, he kind of questions her, what do you mean by that? You know, and she says, well, I was just in this store and I heard someone say, I've known George Malley all my life and if he says he saw a UFO, he saw a UFO. And he, he didn't even see a UFO and never said that he saw a UFO. All he said was he saw a light that knocked him down. But my point is that the people trusted so much in George Malley that it doesn't matter what he said. They said, well, by golly, if he said it, then I've known him all my life. I believe it's true. See, this is God to us. I know God. I've read his word. I've seen his works. And by golly, if God says he's going to do it, then it's going to happen. No matter what it is, how crazy it sounds. Right? I'm in so much debt, I don't think I could ever get out. Well, you get a word. God is going to bring you out of that thing with your partnership. You must say yes to his promise. And you must do your part, pay your bills, and do all those things. But I will bring you out of that thing. Oh, I just don't believe that's true. How could that happen? Right? What are you doing? Looking to the right and to the left. Our focus is not on the promiser. You're focusing on the promise more than you are the promiser. And this is what I'm trying to get us to do this morning and looking in the mirror to get me to do. Focus on the promiser. The promises are already there. He gives us all things to enjoy. Come on. All things to enjoy. Can you imagine Adam and Eve in that garden? They had everything that they ever needed and everything that they ever could want. They had things they didn't even imagine were there yet. God still has that as long as we're in his house. We're like the older son. We're not like the prodigal. You're in the house. You are in the house. And he has given you all things to enjoy. So therefore, love and worship the promiser. But what happens is we look so much at the promises. Will it come true? Um, you know, I'm going to say it ten times to see if it will come true. No, worship the promiser. In my presence is the fullness of joy. 
at my right hand are pleasures evermore. Focus on the promiser. Here's five things about the promiser that we need to know. Number one, God is trustworthy. Come on, God is trustworthy. Numbers 23, 19 says this, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? I have. God never has. And guess what? He never will. God, it's impossible for him to not fulfill his promise. Psalm 18.20 says, The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands. He has recompensed me because he has made me righteous. He's done it. That's a promise he's made to me to make me righteous. Number two, God, on the heels of that, God never lies. Impossible. Listen, if God told a lie, it would immediately become true. <laughs> right? It's just truth. Whatever he says is truth. Now, I know that's hard to wrap your mind around, isn't it? Well, it's because we're used to dealing with each other. People lie all the time. They really do. They don't even, sometimes, again, sometimes I always, you know, I'm a person, I like to give people the benefit of the doubt. You know, a lot of times people don't intend to. Sometimes people do intend to. Sometimes they know they're going to lie and lie anyway. <laughs> but a lot of times people, it just, it, it's, we're human. I'm not giving us an excuse. We should not lie. We should not do it. But I'm saying we are people and we let each other down. We do. If you think that you're going to go through life and never be disappointed, then you're already disappointed. <laughs> because people will disappoint you. That's not a negative confession. It's not, really. I'm just saying that people are human beings and that's why you can't trust in people. But we trust in the promiser. We trust in him. You don't want to be offended so much? Get, uh, get the mind of Christ. Come on, that's what we need, is the mind of Christ. Then we'll know how to forgive. And we'll know how, uh, when we're more spiritual than some others who maybe tell us a lie, we know how to bring them up to where uh, God wants them to be. That should be our whole point and our whole plan. Not just to say, you lie, so you lie. I'm not going to deal with you anymore. Liar. <laughs> Come on. God didn't do it with us. I'm just saying. <laughs> Look around. We're all here. What if he would have done that? <laughs> Liar, you lied. You didn't do what you said you was going to do, so forget it. <laughs> Wipe you away. <laughs> God never did it. Nor then can we do it with others. Amen. Now, it doesn't mean we have to accept the behavior. You know that. But, but we correct uh, with the purpose of getting them unto full stature. Right? That's what God does with us. That's how we correct with the purpose of bringing people to where God wants them to be. That's what we would expect people to do with us. Have you ever failed in your life? Huh? Come on. What do you expect when you fail? What are you hoping for? I'm hoping for some forgiveness and some grace. Right? I'm hoping that I can restore some character and integrity and people will believe in me again. That's what I'm hoping for. That's what others are hoping for. We need to bring them to that place. He is faithful. Hebrews 6.18, God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. See, knowing that it is impossible for God to lie. He can't do it. Can't do it, saints. Not will, it's not that he won't lie. 
He can't do it. Jesus said these words, and you know them. We've said them here before. You've read it in John 14. I am. Well, first, in, in, in Exodus, he said, I am. I am. Everything. I am. That's me, who I am. Not I do, I am. Then in John 14, he said, I am the truth. The truth. I'll just stop right there. I am the truth. There is no other truth. None. No other truth. It's Jesus. Jesus only? Yeah, Jesus only is the truth. Jesus, truth. Jesus, truth. Jesus equals truth. There is no You can't say truth and mean something else other than Jesus. Okay? He is the truth, the way, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by him. Okay, I'm not talking doctrine when I just said that Jesus only. No, I'm talking about truth. Jesus is the truth. He is the truth, the way and the life. So he can't lie because something that is something can't produce something else. Right? Can an apple tree produce oranges? It's not going to happen. You plant apple seeds, you're going to get an apple tree with apples on it. Okay? God cannot lie. Third, God is faithful. God is faithful. Yes, thank the Lord that he is faithful. Boy, long-suffering. Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. Because he is faithful, we need to hold unswervingly to that hope that we profess. In other words, you profess a hope, but do you hold fast to it? Do you stand fast on that hope? Or do you look around and are you persuaded like Eve and Adam were in the garden? You know you have a hope. You heard the word of the Lord, but now you're hearing a little something else. Maybe some time went by. The word in a few days or prayed and now all of a sudden somebody else is saying some things in your ear. And you're allowing them to persuade you. Paul would say, oh foolish Galatians, who has persuaded you? to something other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can preach no other gospel than the gospel of Jesus Christ. No other foundation can be laid than the foundation of Jesus Christ. He is our cornerstone. He is the rock. He is the chief shepherd. He is the rose of Sharon, the lion of Judah. He is the alpha and omega. He is our beginning and our end. And he who has begun a good work in you is faithful to perform it. He's faithful to complete it. He is my all in all. He is everything. And I'm going to hold unswervingly, come on, to that hope that I profess. I'm going to hold to it. And guess what? Number four, God is able to fulfill it. Come on. God does not write a check that he cannot cash. Come on. He doesn't do it. He's able to fulfill it. Well able to fulfill it. Easily able to fulfill it. You know that Satan was judged just like that, right? What did Jesus say? I saw Satan fall like lightning. No problem, saints. It's no problem to the Lord. You hear people, I hear people say that sometimes. You know, you, can we do this? Oh, no problem. And you kind of go, uh, okay. Because you're not so sure about the person, right? But with God, no problem. It's no problem. You want to rebel? Psh, no problem. Let's move on. All right? Move on. No big deal. No problem. He can do it. God is able. When you're thirsty, he can strike a rock and make water come out. 
when you need to get to the other side, he'll part the water so you can walk on dry ground. Come on, to the other side. God is well able to do it. You're winning the battle, but you need a little more time. He's able to stop the sun from moving and the earth from turning. That's right. He'll do it so you can finish the battle. He is well able. This is the God of you. <laughs> your father, your DNA, we're talking about this morning. This is your daddy we're talking about this morning. Come on, he can do it. A lot of people, a lot of, especially a lot of boys, you know, growing up, brag about their daddies. Listen, we all can brag about our daddy. He's well able to perform it. Hebrews 10, 23, 10, 23, let us hold unswervingly to that hope. And then also 3.23, they are new every morning. Lamentations. What is it? His mercies. Then he goes on to say, great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. Number four, God is able to fulfill it, well able to fulfill it. And then number five, God is all-powerful. See, this, this undergirds that ability to fulfill it. All-powerful. What does that mean? That means there's nothing that he can't do. What do you think God cannot do? Make the sun stop shining? He can do it. He can make the sun stop shining and us still have sunshine. Now, that'll make your noodle woman. But he can do it. God can do anything. Right? When God said, let there be light, there was no sun. It was the light of his revelation. That means he's all-sustaining. I'll give you light. My rev the revelation of me lights your path. Come on. God is all-powerful. Genesis 17.1 17, says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. I can make some things happen that you would never would think happened at 99. And he did. Come on. Same thing with Sarah. Mark 10, 27. But Jesus looked at them and said, with men, it is impossible. You can't do it. But not with God. For with God, come on. All things are possible. All things are possible. And so we have a great promiser. That's the promiser. Very briefly, let's talk about some of the promises. We could go on and on, but thank the Lord I won't about all the promises. I just want to encourage you to read your word and, and, and pick out some promises that he's made. Read your word. There, it's, the word of God is filled with promises. I just want to very briefly give you 10 that I, I picked out, okay? Promises. Promises a pledge, a word of honor, a vow. in writing the promise becomes a promissory word that is binding God's promises are written in the form of his written word now here number one ten promises very briefly the promise of ultimate victory we have the promise of ultimate victory you win have you read the back of the book you win you go through the battles but in the end you win it's over you win. Now, this is not like, you know, uh, a superior team playing an uh, inferior team and they should win. No, I'm talking about you already won. See, where God is, he's in eternity. And the end is already there. You've won. The promise of ultimate victory. Number two, the promise of amazing, unbelievable blessings. Psalm 67, 6 says, Then the earth shall yield her increase. God, our own God, shall bless us. 
God loves to bless us. Number three, the promise of divine presence. In other words, I will be with you. I will be with you. Whenever I have to maybe do something that is a challenge, you know, speak or, you know, whatever it is, go to a tough meeting or, I don't know, something that's, that's, a, that's a big challenge, it's always nice when my wife is with me, you know, will you be with me? I asked her this morning, come to the office with me and pray. I just want you with me. It's good to know when somebody who loves you and supports you is with you. God promises you this morning, I am with you. My presence is with you. It is with you. The promise of divine presence. Number four, the promise of healing. Oh, it's in the Bible. He promises to heal us. Listen to this verse of scripture in Exodus 15, 26. If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, in other words, do it. Remember, all this morning we've been talking about do it the way he wants to do it, not the way we think it should be done. All right. Who is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments. Listen to what he's got to say. Keep all of his statutes. I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians. But this is what he says. For I am the Lord who heals you. I'm not the Lord who brings diseases upon you. So don't blame me for diseases. (laughs) I am the Lord that heals you. I'm a healer. That's what I do. Why would I do that? See, to understand and to believe that promise, we've got to know the promiser. Because that promise doesn't sound right. Because, see, I get sick sometimes. And there's sometimes I don't feel good in, in my body and my leg hurts and all of those things. And so if you're just relying on the promise and not the promisor, you'll go back on that very easy. But if you know the promiser, you'll know that he's the one that heals you. And then instead of blaming him, maybe you could blame your diet. <laughs> okay, talking to myself, I know. <laughs> Number five, the promise of peace in a storm. Things could be going on all around you, saints. But God promises you that though the mountains may shake, come on, the earth may tremble. I am there with you, and you will have peace in the midst of the storm. He promises that. Peace in the storm. Number six, the promise of divine protection. When your enemy comes in. Now, this, this, this scripture right here, I love it, but I kind of look at it a different way. When your enemy comes in like a flood, I will raise a standard. When I read that, I'm thinking, when your enemy comes in you know, like a flood, then God will raise a standard against that flood. Another way you can look at that is when the enemy comes in, period, like a flood, God will raise a standard. Can't touch this. (laughs) Like a flood, he'll raise a standard. He will protect you. Boom, comes right up. Can't touch it. (laughs) That's what your God does, the promise of divine. Now, that's not protection. That's divine protection is what I'm talking about, okay? Number seven, the promise of abundant provision. We're talking about more than enough. And I know to some that seems like, oh, more than enough. People always, yes, that's the way God is. He's abundant. I mean, if you don't like it, that's just, that's who he is. He's more than enough. Listen, he created a whole universe and put you in it. Look how little you are to the whole universe. You think this God doesn't like abundance? More than enough. Billions of stars and billions of galaxies. Grief. Why do you need all that? I don't know. Ask God. More than enough. 
That's who he is. The God of abundant provision. I'll give you what you need and more. And yes, he does give it to us with a purpose so that you can then bless others. But if you bless them and they bless others, pretty soon everybody's blessed. Come on. I would like to see everybody blessed. And then number eight, the promise of God's wisdom. He'll give you wisdom in situations. Each one of these could be their own sermon. I know that. But the promise of God's wisdom. James chapter 1, verse 5 and 6 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all liberally. He doesn't hold wisdom back. He gives it liberally and without reproach. He's not going to talk about you. You should already know that. No, he gives it without reproach. I'll give it to you. And it will be given him. Let him ask in faith, believing. Remember, believing in the promisor. Let him ask in faith with no doubting. In other words, nothing wavering. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Driven with the wind and tossed, the King James says. Ask in faith. And then number nine, the promise of Holy Spirit help. In other words, some miraculous things will happen. He'll help you in ways that you wouldn't believe. I have no idea how that happened. It's happened to us. I remember we first got married. We were making a certain amount of money, and we looked at the bills, and it was a different amount of money. And unfortunately, it was more than the amount of money that was uh, made. And, but yet, every month, we were able to pay our bills, and we invited people over for dinner And we gave, we gave, we prayed and gave, and we were able to, and I don't know how that happened. And I like to do budgets, too. I like to look down to the penny. I do. Ask my wife, where's that 14 cents? I want to know where the 14 cents is. Mine is different than the bank. The bank could be wrong. 14 cents, I want to know where it is. I could not figure it out. I could not figure out how we were sustained during that time. It was a miraculous intervention, and no one could tell me any different. I'm standing on that. And then, finally, number 10, the promise of sufficient grace. Whatever you go through, whatever happens to you, my grace is sufficient for you. There's a a scripture in, I believe, 1 Corinthians, maybe chapter 10, uh, that says, uh, I'll tell you this first. People interpret the scripture and, they, and they, they say this. Praise team, will you come on up? I want to sing that song, Standing on the Promises of God, as we leave this morning. People interpret the scripture this way. And maybe you'll know what scripture I'm talking about. They, you know, God will not put more on you than you can bear. You've heard that from people, right? God will not put more on you than you can bear. They get that from the scripture in Corinthians. You can come on up too, Dee Dee. Uh, they get that from, from the scripture in Corinthians, A flat, um, that says... Uh, It talks about temptation. He will not allow you to go through more. He will not allow you to be tempted above what you can bear. Okay? That absolutely does not say he will not put more on you than you can bear. Now, see, that sounds kind of hopeless, doesn't it? But no. What it is is his grace. I've had a lot on me a lot of times that was more than I could bear. I could not do it without the grace of God. Come on. But because of his grace... Because of his grace, I was able to stand. Amen. 